Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I am Keith Steffen, a member of the National Association of Letter Carriers. Your support helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible. Hi, I'm Lois Keel, a longtime union supporter. This week we get strike. Uh, major strike and settlement news about nurses, the Red Cross, and railroad workers, cover the recent CUNA action, and much more. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WART and Labor Radio. Badger Hawkeye Red Cross workers finally reached a tentative agreement after over a year of trying to settle with management. Ellen LaLuzerne brings you this update from Neil Rainford, an American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees Council 32 staff representative, about the tentative settlement. Neil, can you describe what was agreed to? The local tentative agreements include an improvement in the clothing allowance options for employees who are required to drive trucks. It also includes a new requirement that a minimum of two employees will always be scheduled to load and unload trucks. There's an improvement in the language around mandation to provide greater notice to employees when they'll be required to report to work on their otherwise scheduled days off. And employees will also see improved bonuses around specialty work. The wage schedule was a big issue. Did you make any progress on that? What the parties agreed to do is to recommend for ratification the employers and see the nationally agreed upon wage increases implemented on October 1st. We've also agreed to reopen the wage scale portion of the collective bargaining agreement locally and to have additional negotiations regarding that. Laura, how are the rank and file members reacting to this agreement? A lot of them haven't gotten all of the information about what we've agreed to as of yet. They are very interested in the things that they know that we've gotten, making sure there's extra people driving, the extra clothing allowances, and the bonus. We all just want to be able to do our job and do it effectively and safely. These things that we've gotten so far are really going to improve our working and being able to do things safely and get home safely. Why do you think management finally settled with you after such a long time? I think that the union did a good job of putting pressure on this employer through a variety of approaches, including regular demands to bargain, including charges to the National Labor Relations Board, including communicating with the public, and including a very high membership and a very active and engaged membership. The combination of those efforts is what eventually brought us to the result that we have that we are planning on recommending to membership for ratification uh, at a membership meeting this evening. What are some of the things that your membership did to get management to agree to this tentative agreement? People in the community, our donors, our representatives at our blood drives, our workers out in the world, people that we meet, these people all see us and they know the job that we do. And they also know that we work super, super hard at all of our mobiles and all of our fixed sites. We're not asking for the moon here. All we're asking for is good working conditions, a livable wage, and being able to go to work and know that 
they want us there, that we're taken care of, that we mean something and we're not just the number. The Red Cross saw this and they're like, oh, these people are not going to back down. Maybe we should really listen to them. Is there anything I should have asked you about or anything you'd like to add? I really, really want to commend everybody that has taken time to show us support at our mobiles and in the community and that we work really hard, have worked through the pandemic and just trying to provide this life-saving product for everybody. And they have really shown their support for us. That was Laura Parker, a collection technician from the Mobile Operations for the Red Cross in Green Bay, and Neil Rainford, who is a staff representative for AFSCME Council 32. I'm Ellen Lalazern for Labor Radio. Instead of a planned strike, UW nurses gathered on Tuesday to celebrate a negotiation victory. Greg Dubowski reports from the scene. Nurses are tough. We deal with a lot every shift. We are there at the bedside to comfort our patients when they are suffering, and we bear witness with family and friends to the tragic circumstances of illness and loss. I take today as a testament to the strength and determination that nurses bring to everything we do. That was Colin Gillis, a UW Health COVID unit nurse and one of the nurses at UW organizing for union affiliation with SEIU Health, speaking Monday from a press conference at the Capitol. UW Health nurses were all set to walk off the job for three days starting last Tuesday, but a last-ditch negotiation effort between the nurses and representatives of the hospital board, including meetings at the House of Governor Tony Evers, led to a memorandum of understanding on Sunday, followed by Monday's public announcement. So, instead of walking a picket line, On Tuesday, nurses and community supporters held a party on the lawn of the Labor Temple on South Park Street. Kate Walton, a nurse in the emergency department who has been fighting for a union at UW Health since 2019, was there. Walton described what it was like in that whirlwind week. A week ago, I would have told you unequivocally we were going on strike. It felt like we were pretty far apart at the negotiating table from what I heard. The hospital was still unwilling to make any sort of accommodations to get us at the table. Governor Evers did a great job of bringing everybody together and making that happen and and making the space and taking the time to make sure everybody could really hash it out. And at the end of the day, it came down to patients. It came down to what's best for our patients and for our hospital and for our communities. Zach Seeloff, a registered nurse in the pediatric operating room, had also been prepping to strike. I spent this last week right up until we heard that we had the agreement in hand, organizing as many people as I could to prepare for the strike and get ready to go, while also keeping them informed of what the negotiating team was sending back to us. The first negotiations with the hospital were not fruitful. We got closer and we got closer and the negotiating team got optimistic and we ended up with this agreement. I couldn't be happier. Hannah Van Keel, a nurse in the psychiatric unit, described her growing participation in the union struggle. Yeah, about three years ago, they started getting nurses who were interested in the union. I went to one of the rallies where they first talked about striking. There two times in the past year, I was really wishing that I had union representation personally. I went into that meeting like thinking, like, oh my gosh, no, we can't strike. That sounds too much. And then by the end of that meeting, I was like, I signed up to strike. Seeloff saw support for the union expand rapidly over the last month. 
I'll tell you, early on, when we first voted to begin collecting signatures to go out on strike, it was slow going. A lot of people were very uncertain and very hesitant. They wanted to know what the hospital's reaction would be. They wanted to know about legality, about what we were hoping to achieve and if it was realistic to achieve. And as we got closer, particularly in the last six weeks, after we met with the hospital and they told us in no uncertain terms they would not recognize a union and they would not speak with SEIU any further. That was on August 3rd. That started to get some of the nurses out of their comfort zone a little bit and start to make them think, maybe this, this union effort is for me. The union is turning to the Wisconsin Employee Relations Commission, the WERC, to issue a ruling on the legalities of a vote for union recognition. But no matter if or what the WERC rules, the union says they've made a major step in formalizing the nurse's status in negotiating collectively with UW Health. Negotiators also told Labor Radio that the hospital has agreed to reinstate Delia Pertzborn, a nurse and union organizer who had been dismissed by the hospital. Walton gave their feelings still just two days after the agreement. Mostly sunk in at this point, but it's still <laughs> sinking in a little bit that we now have a path to recognition. We have a seat at the table, which we've wanted for so long, and we now have the ability to speak up and speak out for our patients and to provide the care that we know UW Hospital can give and will give to our patients. That was Kate Walton, a union supporter and nurse at UW Health, speaking Tuesday from a strike-turned party at the Madison Labor Temple. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jaboski. Is the agreement between the UW Hospital and the nurses a real breakthrough? Labor Radio's Frank Emspach speaks with registered nurse Mary Jorgensen to get this assessment. Mary Jorgensen is a registered nurse with 17 years service at UW. She was in the room during the negotiations with the University of Wisconsin Hospitals and Clinics, mediated by Governor Evers. Mary Jorgensen provided this overall evaluation of the negotiations and outcome. I... I'm very excited. For the first time in 10 years, administration agreed to meet with nurses as a union to discuss issues going on in the hospital. We went from in August to being having the door shut in our faces that they'll never recognize their union or agree to meet with us as a union to the exact opposite. So that is a huge win. Management recognized the nurses' constitutional rights to freedom of association, self-organization, union participation, and concerted activity. Mary, in your opinion, what impact will this have on the ability of the union to organize? It's a great, it's a great agreement. We are allowed to discuss and organize at work. We are allowed to sign union cards without fear of uh, retaliation. It's, it's amazing. In the union's view, by agreeing to the basic rights guaranteed by the National Labor Relations Act, management removed a huge impediment to organizing. The agreement between the nurses and the hospital also sets out what the SAU characterizes as a path to collective bargaining. Labor Radio asked Mary Jorgensen to describe her understanding of that path. This is an, another exciting part of the agreement. Both sides, the nurses and administration have agreed to jointly go to work Wisconsin Employment Relations Commission to 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 have work determine if we fall under the Peace Act, which we feel we do, um, as does Josh Call in his legal opinion. And that will give us full collective bargaining rights, which, again, nothing like this in Wisconsin has been done or accomplished in 10 years. The Peace Act 
which provides collective bargaining rights for nurses, was in the opinion of the hospital voided by Scott Walker and Act 10. The Ebert's administration believes that the hospital can voluntarily bargain with the union if the employees are covered under the Peace Act, and that is what the Wisconsin Employee Relations Commission will determine. However, the union will have to win an election to get their bargaining rights. But Jorgensen is optimistic about the timeline. We'll have um, election by the end of the year. That is the goal. Yep, that is the goal. We'll get a, a opinion from work by the end of October and an election will be set up by the end of the year. Even though the hospital can appeal a decision of the WERC, the decisions of the Wisconsin Employment Relations Commission can be carried out even while the appeals are in process. Jorgensen explains. Through all the appeals and the court processes, we will still have collective bargaining rights and meet and confer, or meet and discuss, I'm sorry. It really is important, and I know a lot of people don't really understand what we won, but it's we, we won. We are very excited. The agreement is enforceable through the WERC as a neutral arbiter. Mary Jorgensen added these final comments. I am just going to add that again, this is historic. We won our union voice and we will keep organizing and keep moving forward. But we have done this for our community, for patient safety, for, for ourselves. We are thrilled and we are happy that we could do it for the state of Wisconsin. Thanks to Mary Jorgensen, a registered nurse with 17 years seniority at the UW Hospital for this interview. I am Frank Emsbeck for Madison Labor Radio. UW nurses were not the only workers out on Tuesday. Union workers at Madison's CUNA Mutual Group are still fighting for a new contract and showed up at the opening of CUNA's new office building on Mineral Point Road. Greg Jabowski reports. The Madison financial giant CUNA Mutual Group has sprung for a big new building at its Mineral Point Road headquarters, but is still calling for cutbacks on pay, health care, and pensions from its unionized workforce as negotiations drag on. So, on Tuesday, the union representing the around 450 office workers at CUNA, OPEIU Local 39, showed up at the building's grand opening. On Wednesday, the day after the action, Labor Radio spoke to Joe Evica, chief steward of Local 39, who described what happened. We have been trying to get them to move at the bargaining table. So yesterday was the grand opening of their new building. During the program auditorium, we did a silent demonstration where we had members hold up signs that said fair contract now. And then afterwards, we picketed and marched onto the middle of our campus. Dozens of managers were there to witness it. We were really just attempting to make a statement to let them know that we're not going anywhere through this entire process and we're not going to stop until we get a contract that we feel represents the value that we provide for our company. The union found support from seemingly unlikely sources, said Avika. After the demonstration, we actually had a number of retirees from the company who were there to celebrate the opening of the new building come up to us 
to tell us that they support us. Even retirees who were part of management came up to us after the demonstration that we said, you know, we deserve the things that we're fighting for. You know, if our company can build a new building worth tens of millions of dollars and can also afford to provide us health insurance without cutting it or freeze the pension plan for new hires. Avika gave an update on union morale. I would say that our members are holding really strongly, even though this process has taken a lot longer than any of us expected. Just recently, we did a survey of our membership and asked them the question, if we were to vote on the company's proposals as of today, how would you vote? And 94% of our members indicated that they would vote to reject the proposed deal that we would currently have from the company. Local 39 was joined in solidarity on Tuesday by members of IBEW Local 159, representing a growing sense of labor solidarity throughout the city, said Avica. The OPEIU action at CUNA's new building happened the same day as the strike-turned-celebration of nurses at UW Health. Avica gave a shout-out to the nurses. For all those who have been paying attention to the UW nurses, I think that they've put forward a really strong example for all union members in the Madison area. Solidarity to the UW nurses, and I look forward to seeing them win the recognition of their union and get a fair contract. That was Joe Avicka of OPEIU Local 39, representing workers at Madison's CUNA Mutual Group. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. After a strike, Minnesota nurses are ready to resume negotiations. Labor Radio's Carol Weidel has the story. 15,000 Minnesota nurses in the Twin Cities, Twin Ports, and Moose Lake announced their intention to strike on Monday, September 12th. Earlier in August, the Minnesota Nurses Association, or MNA, authorized a strike of more than 15,000 nurses under seven hospital systems. That earlier vote authorized negotiation leaders to call a strike following a 10-day notice to the employer. On September 1st, the union issued that notice. After the MNA filed its required notices, the hospital executives are now demanding that nurses file an additional 30-day notice with the State Bureau of Mediation Services, or BMS, despite the fact that BMS does not have jurisdiction over private sector employers. The following is a statement from the MNA nurse negotiating teams. It is clear that the hospital executives are feeling the power of 15,000 nurses fighting for our patients and our profession. We will not be intimidated by their attempts to silence or scare us, and we intend to proceed with a strike to win fair contracts to put patients before profits. Hospital executives have already driven nurses away from the bedside by their refusal to solve the crisis of staffing and the retention in our hospitals, and we hope that they will not be so brash as to fire nurses for standing up to demand better. Rail carriers and the rail unions reached a tentative agreement early Thursday morning, temporarily averting a national rail strike uh, shutdown that would have begun at midnight. Ellen LaLuzerne spoke with Ram Kamanko about the proposed settlement. Ron has a 26-year rail career and now works as a passenger locomotive engineer and is also an organizer for Railroad Workers United. Here's the story. Railroad workers were all set to go on strike. Tell me what happened in terms of how that came about. Well, there's enormous pressure upon the union leadership to settle a contract. Keep in mind that the union leadership, it seems that the 
rank and file of those the unions are operating crafts are not very happy with this tentative agreement. Quite possible we have just simply kicked the can down the road. But because the language of the tentative agreement has not been officially released, and because the vague summary that has been released is so hard to decipher, most rank and file workers are in a state of confusion. So hopefully in the coming days, there is some light shed on exactly what the hell it is that they're voting on. If the carrier and the union reaches a tentative agreement, part of that agreement is to not strike until the rank and file vote. They are going to extend the cooling off period until the votes are tabulated and the results are known. What's going on with the voting process? At least one union has voted the tentative agreement down. Another half dozen are still in the process of voting. And then there's the three additional ones that will soon be in the process. One of those unions that has been tabulated is the machinists, and they voted the tentative agreement down. It is quite possible the electricians may vote the contract down. Now you have the machinists and the electricians voting it down. They would be eligible at that time to take strike action, in which case every other union would honor the picket line and we would have a national rail shutdown on September 29th. But this fight is not over by a long shot. Why are units voting, even though, as you said, they don't have all the information about the TA? It's a mess right now because nobody really knows what they're voting on. On the three sticking issues, yeah, there was movement. Was it enough? Exactly. And that will be determined in the coming days and weeks by the rank and file as we decipher the fine prints. And the devil is definitely in the details. So Railroad Workers United will be having a mass meeting to basically discuss this and share information and try to get to the bottom of what this is all about and to sort of take the temperature of where people are at. We will probably do a survey And if it turns out, and from our mass meeting, that in fact, railroad workers are discontent, more than likely we would run a vote no campaign. But since nobody really understands what's on offer, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. That was Ron Kamenko, 26-year railroad worker who currently works as a passenger locomotive engineer. He's also an organizer with Rail Workers United. I'm Ellen Lalazern for Labor Radio. A remarkable group of workers has joined the Madison labor movement. Frank Emsbach has the story. 150 canvassers and organizers with For Our Future have joined Local 2304 of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. The members are spread out over five states, but will become part of Madison's IBEW local. For Our Future is a community-based organization that fights for pro-worker union agenda primarily through voter education, identification, and mobilization. Labor Radio spoke with Peter Drummond, the state director for Wisconsin, and Aislinn Bauer, a digital organizer and assistant business representative of Local 2304. Aislinn explains why they wanted a union. Uh, well, for a future, like Peter said, we are funded by unions. We do a lot of pro-labor, pro-union work, and we thought that we should practice what we preach and be a unionized organization. I think that it's really important that everyone have a union um, just to keep that solidarity and to show like that support more or less for for unions and pro-labor work. Like other places, workers also needed a union to address specific issues such as scheduling and time off. 
Um, I think it was a combination of those things. Yeah, we gained good wage increase from from the contract. We now have you know more holidays, more time off, things like that. Campaign work is busy and stressful, and so with our contract, we're being guaranteed some of that downtime that we we need to not burn out from from doing this work. Peter Drummond is a Wisconsin State Director and thus is in management. He describes management's attitudes towards the union. No, we were really overjoyed that, uh, you know, the staff had unionized. I take it as a personal point of pride that, you know, uh, the workers in Wisconsin sort of started this movement. It's important for us to live out our values. And really, you know, no matter how how good and how close relationship uh, management and labor has, you know, having the power of a union it does, it's, a, it's an equalizer. And it's great to know that, you know, our staff are as comfortable as they can be bringing up and have the power of a union one bringing bringing feedback and it really helps it helps with retention um helps people feel more bought in as a as a manager i think it's it's a huge plus for our future is part of a huge wave of unionization amongst nonprofits but for our future is unique as they are a five state organization and that presents specific challenges in terms of organization and cohesiveness labor radio asked aislinn to describe the challenges and what they are doing to overcome them. I think that we're still kind of like building the plane as we fly, honestly, coming, trying to figure out solutions as they happen. I think one of the biggest hurdles that we've been trying to overcome is the communication between states. Before this, we didn't really have a whole lot of communication with other workers in other states. So just trying to meet those people and make sure that we're also catering to like their needs and trying to solve their solutions or solve their problems in other states that we may not be in. Unions are on the board of directors of For Our Future, and they are supportive of the unionization effort. But the fact that For Our Future is unionized has also improved cooperation between the organization and unions when it comes to mobilization events. Aislinn described one result of their successful union drive. I also have been told by a few of our, my coworkers that people have seen, you know, news of our organization unionizing and been really excited about it on the doors. So I thought that was really awesome too. That was Aislinn Bauer, a digital organizer and IBEW 2304 Assistant Business Representative, and Peter Drummond, State Director of For Our Future, describing their new union at For Our Future. I am Frank Emsbach for Madison Labor Radio. And here's Labor Radio producer Frank Emsbach with what we call breaking news. Well, now some breaking news. that The noodle store on State Street is closed tonight. It appears that the workers have walked out. Labor Radio's Greg Shabosky went to the store to investigate. He found two signs posted on the door by the workers. One said, it is need and not greed. The other sign said, closed for fair wages. More news as it becomes available. Thanks to Greg for going down to State Street to investigate. That's the Noodles and Company store. Don't forget the and company part. Final number this evening. We'd like to play a piece written by my brother, Nat. It's called Work Song. And I think it's only just that at this point to note that the melody has been set to words and a fine lyric by my host. Thanks for listening to Labor Madison Labor Radio. I'm Lois Keel. Thanks to editors Frank Emsbach and Ellen Lalozern, assistant Robin G, reporters Greg Jabosky, and Carol Weidel, and damage control specialist 
Joanne Powers. Special thanks to Keith Stephan, our reader coordinator, and to all our readers and the members of IBEW Local 2304 WORT Staff Collective. And I'm Keith Stephan. Next week is Pledge Drive. We'd like to thank all of the generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts and the Professor Bill Clark. <laughs>